You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me for the second time today <laughs> is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Uh, Landon, are you ready to do part two of this podcast? I mean, we did a nice little dry run before we figured out that uh, Marcus thought that I was recording his audio, and I, in fact, was not <laughs> recording his audio. So guess what, guys? We're going to get to go over all of this all over again. Can't wait. Well, we should be much better now. I, I mean, I thought that one was good, but this is going to be an A-plus show. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, we've got your questions from Twitter today. Um, but before we do that, the Cowboys had a little bit of news that kind of leaked out over the last couple of days. Uh, the first came from Pro Football Talks, Mike Florio, who said that Ezekiel Elliott has told people privately that he could be planning a holdout uh, this season as he looks for a new contract. Charles Robinson of Yahoo kind of followed that up a couple hours later, basically saying Elliott can't hold out past August 6th or he won't get a, uh, a year towards free agency. So basically, Elliott can hold out for two weeks, but he has to come back to camp. Just your thoughts on that whole situation, uh, Landon. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe the report, really. I mean, you know, even... As it was pointed out by Mike Fisher in the report, it's the number that Mike was referring to was you know he made he's looking for so upwards of ten million dollars, which is you know ridiculously low number because the Stephen Jones already came out and said that the floor was fourteen million dollars the uh, or whatever you know Gurley got which I think was just over fourteen so. Yeah, I think um, it was closer to 15, actually. Yeah, so, I mean, again, like that, it just, a lot of this stuff doesn't match up. Uh, I, then I, you know, a lot of reporting has come out since then by people that we trust, including Charles Robinson and Mike Fish, Mike Fisher, and, uh, um, you know, some of these other people saying basically that, you know, Zeke would be satisfied with and show up to camp as long as negotiations were in progress and, you know, there was progress being done. So I just, you know, it's, I, I think it's, it could happen. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility, but I definitely going to need at least a second and maybe a third source and, mm. uh, uh, a, a, you know, a lot more better and more accurate and not head scratching specifics in the story before I'm going to like really worry about this. Yeah. I, th- I think when it's all said and done, the Cowboys and Elliot are going to come to terms in some kind of deal. I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to happen before the season, well, will it shock me if it happens by week four or five? No. I, I think both sides understand that. Uh, they want Elliott here. They want to pay him. They just got to find out what the right price is. Um, the other topic that kind of came up actually today was from Ian Rappaport of NFL.com. Uh, he reported that the Cowboys defensive end Randy Gregory has filed for reinstatement. Uh, we will see when we get some news from the league. I believe the NFL office has to rule – 60 days after the reinstatement papers are filed. Uh, but, Landon, what would it mean if, if Gregory is available for this team in 2019? It would be huge. I mean, 
uh, first of all, obviously the defensive end position gets another killer on the outside. I mean, just absolutely. I mean, of all the talent that we've got there, with even with Quinn, uh, an, uh, an oncoming Dorrance Armstrong, Taco Charlton, who's, you know, say what you will, still a first-round pick, who's in a make-it-or-break-it year. I still think Randy Gregory, if he's healthy and his mind's right, is maybe the most talented of that group. Um, I agree. Yeah. And so I, I think and what that does is that it, it provides you an opportunity to have a guy like uh, uh, Dorrance Armstrong, I mean, uh, uh, Tyron Crawford, uh, kind of move more full time inside, and and uh, you know that fortifies the depth there inside as well. So I, I think if if you get Crawford and Hill and Malik Collins, now you've got a really great solid rotation of three like under tackles. Yeah. Uh, and I think so. I mean, that's all just because you get Randy Gregory back. So if you get Randy Gregory back, it's Obviously, the value that he provides at the defensive end, which is great and, and, and incredible rotation there, the value that he's providing to the defensive tackle position because you can move Tyrone Crawford there more full time, and then you know the third element there that I wanted to bring up, I brought up <laughs> the first time we talked about this. I think that the thing that we're not talking about is that if, if he gets reinstated here, you have to feel about you know ninety five percent better about Randy Gregory's long term situation with the team absolutely because yeah. now you're looking at uh now you're looking at a situation where he's he's currently indefinitely suspended he gets reinstated from that then you know that's and that's with the rules currently the way they are he's never had any problems off you know off the field being arrested or anything like that he's never had nope. any issues with that i i think that in the way that the league is trending towards the policy it's clear that they're going to try to use him as a kind of poster boy for hey like this is why we want to try to you know turn this around in the cba policy when really what it is is it's a it's a it's a bargaining chip in the cba and and randy gregory is Kind of a uh, uh, you know a shield from criticism, public criticism. So hey, like this, look at this guy. He's a good guy, hard worker. You know, he's just being. He's trying to use it to medicate. Let's let's try to get him on the field to get him around his teammates. Blah blah blah. I, I, you know, look, whatever. As long as he's getting on the field, I'm okay with that. As long as the, you know they're loosening up the the testing here, I'm okay with that. Uh, but I think yeah, this is you know we're kind of all just nothing's official so no one's excited you know it's just like all kind of like oh this could be and maybe i I think two things one these guys don't usually ask for reinstatement and then get denied like usually they have very often they got a pretty good idea of what's going to happen when they apply two again no one's really discussing the fact that because of it everyone's thinking about just this year which is fine and that's go 2020 and 2019 let's do it blah 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 but Randy Gregory is still an incredibly talented, still very young defensive end that that basically we write off every single year as you know a piece for the future. If he gets back in the league now, like he, this could be a clear runway for the kid for the next few years. Suddenly, and now you're feeling a lot better about your roster construction. Uh, two things, really quickly. The first is, as you were talking, I was just kind of looking up his contract situation. The Cowboys actually have his rights for the next two years before he hits yeah. which yeah. is absolutely ridiculous considering nuts. they drafted him in 2015 in the second round. So, I mean, you're, that's a long time to be 
to, to yeah. not hit free agency. Yeah, uh, which they but they've given him some money. Like they've they've worked. If I'm not mistaken, didn't they like re-sign him? They did something to move some money around to help him out. I remember yeah, I, that. I think they did. So um, so I, I I don't. They've helped. It's not like they're fully and, and look they've helped him a lot in a lot of different ways I, I, it's not like absolutely. they're they're not you know take taking full advantage of him at, by any stretch of the imagination because they've given him a lot of money for not a ton of play you know sure. so I, I think it's it's a good situation for everybody at this point they're, the cowboys are getting value on the back end of this if he's able to play because they've told all these years for him, with him mm-hmm. the other thing i was going to mention really quickly mike fisher had an article about randy gregory Oh, a couple of days ago, and basically the the pitch that Gregory made to Roger Goodell in the NFL is, look, I, I've been, I've, out of 100 steps, I've made 99 correct ones. I had a little misstep. Yeah. I've missed, I've had, I missed one test in the last uh, 20 months or whatever it is. Uh, I, I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going in the right direction. Football allows me to be around people that are going to support me. Uh, let me show you that I'm I'm on the right track. And I think the NFL is more sympathetic to that kind of approach, um, maybe more so than they were even a year ago, two years ago. Uh, I feel pretty good that you're going to see Randy Gregory on the field at some point in 2019. Is it going to be in week one? I kind of have my doubts, but I don't think that's necessarily the most important thing for either parties here. I think the Cowboys, they want Randy Gregory to, to kind of be on his own pace and his own time and get back onto the field when it's right. And I think that's going to be ultimately the best for Randy Gregory as well. Um, let's go ahead and talk about some of these questions that you guys sent to us on Twitter. Uh, we're going to try to get through a bunch of these, so we're going to try to make these kind of quick. Um, first one comes from Tom. Landon, what position group looks the most concerning for you entering 2019? I'm going to say, I'm going to talk about safety. I think, you know, just because there's a lot of, there's just a couple of positions where it's not even concern, it's just there's unknown. You know, I, I like the potential answers that they have lined up. I feel like it's a good ex- – safety is a great example of they didn't get an answer, but they got a, several different p- potential answers, and they just need one of them to kind of work out. And, 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 and they have a very safe floor. The floor is last year's safety position, which I know people don't like, but it's not a downgrade. It's just – you know, it wasn't the reason you lost games last year. That's just, yeah, exactly. So I think you can certainly improve it, and I think improving it will make an improvement on your defense. But I also think that if if they go into the year with the same two guys, look, actually, it's not even just the same. It's it's probably an improvement. Even if you go into the year with the same two guys, you probably have You're an right. improved yep. play because Xavier Woods, I think, is is his his arrow is very much pointing up. So. Anyways, I think you've got those, uh, Iloka. Can he play more of a box role and improve there? I think that that's to me that's where I would probably place my money. Is I, I think that Iloka has been miscast these last few times. He's been in different spots. I think he is more of a box safety. If he gets an opportunity to play that uh, more regularly, I think he will thrive in that position because I think he is a solid tackler and he can handle mm. the play in the box. I think if. Maybe if Wilson find Donovan Wilson, who can return to a kind of a the play that he had in his sophomore and junior year, this guy is really talented. I watched a little bit of him last night. Uh, it's nuts. Like when he was under Chavis at A and M, like they basically used him like 
uh, honey badger, essentially. He was like a bigger honey badger. And he was, you know, basically kind of playing a strong nickel position. And, and he was very effective. It had a lot of tackles. Great tackles athlete. for loss. Yeah, great athlete. If he can handle the load, if he can make the transition quickly, I mean, he's been playing SEC football for three, four years then he could be a guy who suddenly takes that job, and now you've got a young guy who I think could be a playmaker on your defense eventually, you know, kind of ascending quickly into that spot. And then obviously I think as well, Frazier is still here. Will the move to more, you know, fixed positions, box and free, allow Frazier the opportunity to kind of let him shine in the defense with his physicality? That could be an opportunity too. So there's options there. The problem is that we just don't know what what it's going to look like. I agree. Uh, The one position I'm going to look at really quickly is tight end. Uh, We talk a lot about Ezekiel Elliott and what he does for the running back position here, where you know you have him on the field and it doesn't tip your hand either way. You know, as you know, like some of the other teams do, where like New England, if James White's on the field, you know it's going to be a pass. If Legarrette Blunt in previous years who's been on the team is on the field, it's going to be a run. Uh, Likewise, at the tight end position, I kind of feel like the Cowboys are at that point where. Look, if Witten's on the field, it's probably going to be, you know, Witten's either going to block or he's going to run a short pattern. If Jarwin's on the field, he's most likely going to be running down the field. Uh, Schultz could do a little bit of everything, but I just, I'm not sure he's ready to be a full-time starter. I would like to see the Cowboys. I mean, they, they can't really do much now, but in future years, maybe try to, to build on that position. You look at some of the better offenses in the league, uh, Philadelphia and Kansas City, New England, and their, you know, in their peak. They all have these dynamic tight ends who can go down the field, make plays after the catch. I'd like to see the Cowboys invest some more resources into that position. Uh, is it going to kill them this year? No. Uh, but I'd like to see, you know, what would Dak Prescott look if he, like, if he had a Zach Ertz who, who can, you know, take a six-yard, you know, pass 19 yards. I, I'd like to see the Cowboys offense with that kind of threat. Um, let's go ahead and move on to another one from uh, our buddy John. Uh, which rookie seventh rounder or UDFA do you think has the best chance to make the 53 man roster, Landon? You know, it's tough because all there's so many good, talented guys. I mean, we talked about how this is probably the most talented undrafted free agent class we've had in a long time. And that's coming into a situation where you may have one of the most, you know, already talented rosters. Uh, going into the season, so I, I think it's it's the problem is that there's not a ton of room, and they, there's several different guys who you, I feel like are talented in that kind of realm. I think Weber is probably the natural decision choice just because mm-hmm. he's at a like he's pretty much. I mean, I, I don't know that you know. I think that they're kind of working Pollard in as the potential come in to be running back too, but I think that they need another guy to kind of balance that out, and that seems to be the plan. And so Weber would naturally kind of make sense because his playing style is basically I'm Ezekiel Elliott at 80%. Um, and so, you know, I think that would he would be a natural fit to kind of come in. And there's not really much there besides Darius Jackson. So if he can beat Darius Jackson. He's still alive? I, I didn't even know he was still on this team. Stop My it. gosh. I, like listen, I think the, 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 the math is flipped now. He's underrated. No one's talking about him the way that everyone was talking about him, I don't know, when he was with the Browns and not playing. But now I feel like people aren't talking about him enough because, you know, if he's healthy completely from all his injuries, that guy could be a dark horse. But anyways, 
I think that still Weber is still the more likely choice of to be the you know true it for early down ba- backup running back. You know the worst part about doing this podcast the second time is you steal all my answers because that was mine. The oh, was that God? I couldn't remember whose answer that was. <laughs> that's, that's okay. I'll come up with something different. Uh, what about what about one of these tackles? Uh, I know you're not a huge fan of Mitch Hyatt, but could he become the fourth tackle on the roster? Are they going to carry a fourth tackle? I, I'm not sure, but I think I think you get a guy with that pedigree. <laughs> Uh, he was an All-American. He was a team captain. Could he kind of find a way to make it on the roster? I, I don't think it's impossible. Um, I th- obviously, I think I think Mike Weber has a good chance, and we'll see on the defensive backs. I think Chris Westry is a guy who is a perfect candidate for the practice squad. I think Daniel Wise, at defensive line, is a perfect guy to make the practice squad who could eventually slide into a role next year. Brandon uh, inevitably, we'll get one or two guys who will make this team. It happens every single year. But the guys that are going to make it this year are going to have to be, you know, extra extra good compared to previous years just because of the overall depth of the roster. John Vea um, Johnson and Guyton, too, obviously need to be brought ooh, up just because, I mean, those guys are impressing a lot of people individually. And there's, and there's you know, there's room, I think, if they have – if they're talented enough, they can make a push. They both have interesting pedigrees for guys that are undrafted free agents. So mm. they might be able to make a splash early and make this roster. Next question comes from at Sirius Troggers. Do you think there's a tipping point where too much individual versatility can be negative from a team structure perspective? Players not being able to get in a group, for lack of a better phrase, coaches, players having too many decisions, variables to adjust to with regularity such that it is overwhelming during game time. What do you think, Landon? Because I think this is a fantastic question. I think the key is to have a mixture of both. Like the key is you need players who are specifically really good at the job they're being asked to do, and then you need guys who are good who are not great at any one particular job, but are good at a couple different jobs because you know it's it's like you say you can't have a steak dinner steak plate on every. You can't have a steak on every plate, every meal. I don't know what the saying is. The point is, is that you've got to find a way to allocate resources. And so, if you have these guys who are the Tyrone Crawford, you know, kind of versatile guys who can give you solid snaps at multiple positions, that means that at least you're distributing the talent across a couple of different positions. You're getting more pure talent on the field all at once it just helps with roster construction it helps Mm -hmm. with putting personnel groups out there uh i I think it's just it's not that you want versatile players or want singularly talented players i think you need both in order to build a roster and how you decide to mix the, the 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 balance between those two types of players is really uh you know scheme based person you know personal based what's available to you it's just really kind of i think people get too myopic in thinking that 
oh, it's a hard, fast rule that you want this or that or that. You don't always get a lot of options when you're constructing a roster. You have to deal with the reality of the world of what's on the street, what's available to you in the draft, what's on your team currently. So I I think that formula is constantly changing and and, and the scheme is kind of constantly in motion around all of that too. And and I think there's about a versatility in the front office that has to happen in order to kind of make it all work. I agree. I've always said that most of the time, elite players, elite positional players at least, uh, they're good enough that they can move all around. And that helps you during game days, right? If Travis Frederick goes down, you can move Zach Martin over to center, and I think he'd be okay. You can move him to right tackle, and I think he'd be able to handle it. Same with Byron Jones. He can play corner safety. Um, I, I think that's where position flex is the most beneficial, is when you can move elite players to other positions and still have them perform you know, at elite level. That's that's the kind of position flex I always like to see. Um, let's go ahead and move on to a different question. This one from Mark. Uh, tell me who will lead the defense at interceptions this year. If you had to guess, Landon, who would you who would you guess? I'm gonna say. Uh... <laughs> oh my god! I almost said a quasi Wusu Ansa. Uh, Ooh, that's a good one from Indiana. PA. But I meant, I like it. I meant a joke. I think he might be still playing the CFL. <laughs> I meant a, a, a Chidobi. Uh, I think. I think. Uh, you know, Chidobi ha- got his hands on. Chido got his hands on a lot of balls last year, or at least was right there. Um, and I think we talked about Xavier Woods and his improvement, but I, I think that if Chidobi is able to take that next step, his second year. Um, that in this you know, second year is kind of starting, uh, I think that that will result in him getting his hands on more balls because he's right there. He's already right there, right? Uh, and mm. now I think you know, I think people are going to look away from Byron Jones a lot. He's going to get a lot of targets. He got a lot of targets last year because people weren't throwing at Byron Jones. So there's going to be opportunity for him. I think he's going to start converting those opportunities. So I would say him. Who, what do you think? Uh, I think that's a good one because I thought about that one first. Um, I got another dark horse one, but go, you go. Yeah, uh, I'm going to say it's going to be the same guy that led the team in interceptions last year. I think it's going to be Leighton Vander. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> I guess he's not a dark horse if he if he led the, the team. But geez, yeah, he had two last year. Him yeah. and Xavier Woods tied for the most, which that's incredible that they had. What was it like? Eight interceptions total last year. Nine, something like that. Um, yeah. Ben Nash is going to be on the field every single snap this year. I just think he's going to luck into a couple of interceptions. He's going to jump a couple of routes. I'm kind of looking at him to get somewhere between, what, three to five is probably the range. Uh, I think he's got a great chance. And I think Xavier Woods, I think you're starting to see him become more of a playmaker. Uh, but those are, those are my two guys right there. Um, let's go ahead and move on to another question. Ooh, this one's, this one's from at West Coast Dad. Uh, what happens if the Cowboys' offense looks pathetic with first-time offensive coordinator Kellen Moore? Let's say, Landon, we're six games into the season, and this offense kind of looks like it did last year for the first six games of the year. What happens to Kellen Moore? Uh, um, I don't know. I, I think they probably ride it out. I mean, maybe Garrett takes the play calling away from him. Um, but I don't know that they're going to, like, you know, you can't really go hire an offensive coordinator off the street, right? Like, no. I think no. You, maybe you promote, like, someone um, 
you know, internally, like, I guess you could make Sanjay Lal or, um, uh, you know, one, one of the other coaches, I guess, uh, what's the Dallas, the tight end coach, um, uh, I can never remember I, Nussmeyer. I can never remember Nussmeyer's name. Doug Nussmeyer. Nussmeyer, there you go. Nussmeyer has play calling experience um, at a high level. He was a play caller for Alabama for a while. Which, that's, I mean, that's enough to you know get through the mechanism of it. And he obviously understands the offense, so mm-hmm. yeah, that's likely to, that would likely happen. But I, I, I can't imagine. I honestly would have a hard time seeing that. I, I just think I, 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 I don't see that either. I, I just don't think that you know. There's like. I think that there's it's going to be a transition. I think you know Garrett's there. I mean, everyone say what you want about Garrett. Like Garrett has a ton of experience calling plays in the NFL, and so uh, at, a, at a high level, you know his offenses have done well. So I think he, at the very least, can keep the keep the train on the tracks. What Kellen Moore is going to do is add the extras. I don't think any of the extras that Kellen Moore plans on using are the kind of things that could derail. It's it's Scott Linehan plus, you know, saying like it's 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 you know I, I can't imagine it be derailing what Linehan derailing it to the point where it's worse than what Linehan gave us. I guess is my point. Right, right. Um, my guess is if they're like two and four, probably Garrett takes over. I, I, I think I think this is a big year for Jason Garrett. Uh, I think if, if they get into a situation where the offense is struggling, I, I kind of almost wonder if Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones are going to force Garrett to take over let him kind of fight it out for his job. So uh, I think that's a nice floor to have. You kind of know that you have Jason Garrett, who can kind of help the young offense coordinate yeah. along. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be nice. Um, this next question comes from Keith. Why are we so ignorant to find a number two quarterback on this roster? He kind of goes on to mention this roster is deep everywhere except for backup for Prescott. Um, my response always to this question is, Okay, that's fine. Who is the number two quarterback that you want to go out there and sign right now? Um, I'll run through the names, the available players right now. Matt Castle, uh, he's 37. We've done that before. It didn't work. Uh, Derek Anderson, he's 36. He hasn't been good in the last couple of years. Mark Sanchez, 33. We've done that before. It didn't work. Brandon Whedon, 36. We've done that before. It didn't work. Uh, Austin Davis, I, I don't even remember the last time Austin Davis played a game. I think he did one on Monday Night Football like five or six years ago, and he was especially terrible. Um, there's just nobody out there. If, if Prescott's not available, it, it really doesn't matter if you brought it in that quarterback 48 hours before the game or 48 weeks. It, it, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get good enough production from the quarterback position in order to keep you competitive, especially in the NFC where – you know, top to bottom, that conference is absolutely loaded. Uh, the the margin of difference between those teams is just so small. You're not going to win very many games with Austin Davis at quarterback. But, Landon, what are your thoughts on the number two quarterback in Dallas? There's no value in bringing, up, bringing in a veteran quarterback at this point. Like, you need to see what you have in these younger quarterbacks before you even need to find out if you need a veteran quarterback. So right. in order to find out whether you need – a veteran quarterback or not, you have to give these training camp snaps to these guys to see if they can pick this up. And again, like we have a young, strong quarterback who is not missing any time, is solid, doesn't appear to have any kind of, you know, I think one of the things that that's great about Dak is that he's durable. So 
there's not a hurry to get this uh, a veteran quarterback in here. The the snaps in training camp aren't terribly valuable valuable for him. Um, and again, it's not like you need this guy ready for week one. This isn't a starter. It's no, a backup. No. He's coming in if there's an absolute disaster. And at the same time, how much can you even plan for disaster? You don't. You need to. You Can't. need to find out what you have in these young guys to find out if you've got a good situation in them, uh, and, and one that could be a, a good cheap solution for the future. You can't just keep, you know, throwing these guys away because you saw them briefly in shorts and no no pads, and then I going agree. and spending a ton of money on a on a guy who may not ever see the field. You got to see agree. what you got to do. Wait wait until after training camp, or at least wait until a couple weeks into training camp to see what you've got. Then go get a guy, but it's not important right now. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Lane and at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you guys next time. Mm-hmm.